Today, as we stand in this room, worship the Lord, we hear His Word. Today's focal text is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Peter 2, 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Our good and our holy God, we thank you for a chance to worship in this place, on this corner, in this city, on this Lord's day. We thank you, Lord, that you meet us in the concrete circumstances of our lives. That you dwell among us. And Lord, as we dwell among the pagans, as we live as strangers and sojourners, we thank you, Lord, that you are the builder of a city, the city that is our home. And Lord, you have put eternity and home in our hearts. And Lord, as we walk together, as we seek together the kingdom, we pray that you would strengthen our resolve, that in your grace that you would form grit, that we could march together to Zion. Lord, we thank you that you feed us through your word. And as we open it together, Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that you would give us tender hearts that would receive your word as a seed planted in fertile soil. We pray, God, that you would give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. That you would strengthen our frame, that our work in this world would be as your own. And Lord, we pray that a word of life and hope and love, a gospel word, would be found on our lips. This is our prayer in the beautiful and the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray together saying, amen and amen. Please be seated. Contribution contributes to resilience. Contributing contributes to resilience. Today we continue the theme, grit and grace, growing in resilience as we follow Christ. And we pick up on that great theme of contributing or making a contribution in life. Kenneth Ginsberg, the, the qualitative researcher that inspired this sermon series, spoke of contribution this way. He said, contribution is interwoven with competence. We've talked about that. Confidence, connection, and character as an integral thread in the web of resilience. He just noticed resilient children and teenagers, and he began to study them. He paid attention to them. He said, here are some of the characteristics common in these resilient kids. And one of those factors was the ingredient of contribution. It's important that we think about this, and we've been thinking about these things for, for a few weeks now. But I want to take just a side road and remind you of something that we've talked about week after week, but I want to make crystal clear. Resilience, although it is extremely important, is not the end goal. You can be completely resilient 
and totally off the mark. In Mark 8, 36, Jesus said, For what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? You can be resilient and wrong. For the Christian, the end goal is the kingdom of God, the way of God, life with God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. We're not talking about resilience because I want to make all of you resilient people for the sake of your own agendas and your own dreams and your own goals and your your own longings but that as we conform to the dreams and the longings and the goals of God, as we seek together the kingdom of God, that God builds resilience in our lives. Because if we determine that we will seek first the kingdom, resilience will be required. We were called to it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, Peter's speaking to house slaves who are following Jesus. And he reminds them that they had been called to endurance. And just like them, those of us who follow Jesus are called to endurance because we're called to seek the kingdom of God and contributing contribute. Last week, Josh preached a wonderful sermon about competence. He defined it as the ability to do stuff. I think that's wonderful. You have to add to competence contribution, which is the willing and the the ready part. It's one thing to know how to do stuff, and it's another thing to do it. And both of these things have to be wed together. And this little epistle, 1 Peter it's about, it's about the willing, the ready, and the able. It's about knowing who you are in Christ and making a difference because of that. Uh, Peter writes to a group of people under tremendous pressure. And in the face of pressure, he reminds them they're called to endure. He puts steel in their spine and love in their heart as he reminds them that they are Christ that they follow Jesus. He reminds them that they can. That's the grit part because of who they are. Uh, That's the grace part. You see, the grace is underneath the grit. The grace precedes. We can because of who we are. Repeat after me. I can. You don't sound convinced. Let's try it again. I can. I can. Because. because I, am. I am. I can. I can. Because, because I am. I, am. I, can, I can. Because, because I, am. I am. I'm so proud of you. And Peter paints a picture of the I amness of it all. He gives them images to help them understand who they were in Christ and because they were, we are. Those images are the image of the stranger and the sheep 
and the speaker and the servant. For a few moments this morning, I want to remind you that you can because you are a stranger and a sheep and a speaker and a servant. So if you're with me, repeat after me once more. I can make a contribution because I am a stranger. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Sojourners, immigrants, strangers, people who are in a place that's not their home, people who are in a place that doesn't fit just right, people who are in a place where the, the ways, the life ways, and the, and the food, and the customs, and the laws are different than they are at home. Peter's writing to a group of people that are not home in the world. Their home is in heaven. That is their city. That is their future. That is their true identity. And their identity in the world was the identity of the stranger, the sojourner, the immigrant. And because Peter said that's what they were, I can say to you this morning, that's who we are. That's who you are. You are a stranger, a sojourner, an immigrant in the world. One of my guilty pleasures is playing with children's toys. When I'm real stretched out, I still go and play with kid toys. Uh, sometimes in, in weird times when people don't know it, I'm down in the children's area of the church and I'm just taking a few to play with the toys. When I was a kid, my favorite toys were bristle blocks. Do you ever, know, you ever play with bristle blocks? They were just these blocks made out of bristles. <laughs> and you put them together and make shapes. I love Lincoln logs. I also really, really like that thing. It looked like a little octagon ball kind of that you could pull it apart, but it had all kind of shapes, holes around it. You know this toy? Uh, and then it had all these shaped pegs. And it was trying to make kids smarter than kids really are. It was working those brains, you know, and it still works my brain. And you'd have to get the right shaped peg to fit the right shaped hole. It took for, forever to get that done. And then when you had them all in the middle of that little ball, you could just pull it apart. They'd fall to the floor. You could start over and do it again. What a wonderful toy. But you learned early in life that a square peg never fit completely in a round hole. That's a great little figure of speech, isn't it? I feel like a square peg in a round hole. Something's just not right. Peter was reminding these Christians that in this world, something, something, just a little something would just not be right. And this will drive you mad unless you learn to make peace with it. 
It means in the boardroom, you are likely to be a square peg in a round hole. In the faculty lounge, you are liable to be a square peg in a round hole. In the children's sports leagues, you will be a square peg in a round hole. At the club, you will be a square peg in a round hole. At the car lot, you will be a square peg in a round hole. At the bank, you will be a square peg trying to get into a round hole. Peter said, you can because you are a stranger, and that's okay. You, you can't get past that. that. That's your identity. That's, that's who you are. To me, one of the smartest talks ever given in the history of the English language was when C.S. Lewis stood in front of a group of bright-eyed, ambitious young people, and he gave them the speech about the inner ring. He said, from the time we're in middle school, uh, we, we are captivated by an inner ring. He was bullied as a child in school, and he was kept out of that ring. And most days of his life, he still felt the wounds of that. He looked at the insiders, and he was an outsider, and he was hungry to get inside the inside and not be on the outside. And then he grew to be a very, very talented, influential academic, and he found himself all of a sudden on the inside, and he could look out from the inside at those on the outside, and he knew the darkness of his own heart when he felt some measure of joy of being on the inside and looking at those on the outside. He said, there's great power in the inner ring. He said, a not yet bad man will do very bad things in order to get inside of the inner ring. To make our square peg fit in that round hole. To leave all the Jesus stuff off so that we could get inside the room where it happens. He said, the quest for the inner ring will break your heart unless you break it. I can because I am a stranger. And because I'm a stranger, when it comes to the inner ring, you can opt out. You can opt out. Today, for somebody at the place of the altar before God, what you need to lay there is the quest for the inner ring. You need to opt out and look out. It's, it's no longer about excluding and, and, and achieving. It's about serving in the name of Christ. This is why contribution leads to resilience because those who really want to contribute something in life and not make a withdrawal from this world are those who recognize they can opt out of the inner ring and look out with eyes of love and serve in the name of Christ. I can contribute because I am a stranger. Miss O'Connor said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you odd. <laughs> Just go with it. Secondly, repeat after me, if you will. I can make a contribution, I can make a contribution. because I am a sheep. <laughs> When I was a kid, our, our children's minister, a music minister, we learned a song. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not fair, you see. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. And we go, I don't want to be a Sadducee. I don't want to be a Sadducee because they're so sad, you see. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. Peter 
1 Peter 2, verse 25, said it like this. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You can make a contribution because you are a sheep. And sheep are contributors. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor, don't push this too far. I don't want to be mutton. <laughs> no. It's all about the wool. It's about the renewable contribution that you can make because of who you are. Very first car I bought, Meredith and I, used car, went to this used car lot, and, and we found out that the used car dealer we were working with was also a gospel singer. <laughs> he looked a little bit like Gary McSpadden with more hair. And, uh, and he found out I was a pastor, and he, he started to ask things like, will we go to Tartarus when we die? I mean, it was a weird conversation. Uh, but he gave me the best piece of business advice I've ever gotten from anybody in the world as he was trying to sell me on the fact that he was giving me the very best price he could give. He says, I learned a long time ago. You can shear a sheep all his life, but you can only eat him once. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes good sense. I like that. I'm a sheep with the renewable contribution growing right there on my back, who we are made to contribute, to give warmth and beauty to the world. But you see, the thing about a sheep is a sheep has got to have a shepherd if a sheep is going to make a contribution. Because all the wild sheep get eaten. But a sheep with a shepherd... Carries, carries a renewable resource that's a blessing to others. And Peter said, you have returned as a sheep to the shepherd, the guardian of your soul. Hundreds of years before that day, a shepherd was taken from the fold and made a king. And one day, when he would speak for God and tell the foal what God was like, the shepherd king would say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He makes a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup, it runs over. He would say things like, surely goodness and mercy will follow behind me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in my true home. I will dwell in my true home, in my true city. I will, I will dwell. I will dwell where I belong. And that's in the house of the Lord forever. You see, you're a sheep. 
And that says very little about you, but it says an awful lot about your shepherd. Your shepherd has signed on to be your guardian. He signed on to bring you to the water, the still water. He signed on to make you lay down in the green pastures. He signed on to restore your soul. He signed on. He signed on to haunt you with goodness and mercy, chase you down with it. He signed on to bring you home. You can lay down before your shepherd and have him take that wool and make it into a garment of many colors. You can make a contribution because you are a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. And you're a sheep, even if you're a shepherd. You get to the fifth chapter of this epistle, and Peter addresses the elders, and he says to the elders, he says, Shepherds, remember the chief shepherd. He says, Remember those of you who shepherd the flock of God that you are shepherded by the king. That by being a shepherd, you never cease to be a sheep. And that true shepherding, true leadership, true contribution is a matter of being led and being fed and being loved from the top down. You see, all of our contributions in this world are derived. They come from outside of ourselves. They grow from the outward. They come as gifts of the Lord. Recently, I was having lunch with John Anderson. John's a good friend. I think John knows I look up to him, and he humbly accepts that. And sometimes he pastors the pastor. And we were having breakfast in a gas station because that's what classy people do. And... Uh, and we were sitting there over talking over our eggs, and, and uh, we got to talking, and I said, John, I'm so proud of these new shoes that I've got on uh, because Meredith bought me Crocs that are shaped like loafers. And I said, unless you get really close, you can't tell. Here's the thing about Crocs. They're wonderfully comfortable and hideous. And I don't look like Paul Newman. I can't go outside of the house looking like Bullwinkle with those Bullwinkle shoes on. But I love Crocs. And so Meredith got me some that look like Loafers. I mean, like penny loafers. They're, it's just an amazing thing. I mean, my life is complete. So I'm bragging on these shoes to John, and he said, oh, let me tell you a story about Crocs. I said, oh, I want to hear it. He said, I was in the airport in Denver with all my grandkids one time. We had this long kind of wait there, and, and this was several years ago, and they all had on these little brightly colored Crocs, and they're running around the airport. And this guy comes up to my grandkids and he starts, gathers them up and starts talking to them. And, and I thought it was weird. I'm like, why is this guy talking to my grandkids uninvited in the Denver airport? And he starts talking to them about their shoes. Do you like your shoes? Do you like your Crocs? Oh, yeah, we like our Crocs. What do you like about your Crocs? Do you like them in different colors? He just starts quizzing them about the Crocs. And John just gives him that weird eye. Like, why are you talking to my grandkids? And he suddenly picks up. He goes, okay, I'm sorry, sir. I know this looks strange that I'm talking to your kids about these little shoes on their feet. He said, but I, I invented them and I run the company. I started Crocs. So he's talking to Mr. Croc. <laughs> I mean, that's not his name. That's the McDonald's guy, but the guy who started Crocs. And he said, you kids like these? Would you like some more? And they were like, yeah, we want some more. He said, if you, here's a number, if you call my secretary and give him the sizes, 
He'll send you some Crocs, all that you want. John takes a number home. He thinks about the grandkids there in the airport, adds seven grandkids to the list. <laughs> Calls a number, and sure enough, they show up. And John gave all those kids brand new, colorful, ugly shoes <laughs> to enjoy. He gave them something. He contributed to their lives. But you know what? It was a derived gift. It came straight from the designer, straight from the factory owner, straight from the CEO. It came straight from the top. And friends, we're invited to contribute in this world. But never, ever, ever think you're the source. Don't ever think you're the fountain. Don't ever think you're the top. What you contribute as followers of Jesus, what you contribute as a sheep is the provision of the shepherd. You give because he gave. And you love because he loved. I can contribute because I am a sheep. And finally, we'll do it like this. I can make a contribution... Because I am a speaker and a servant. Listen to this. Chapter 3, verse 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Next chapter, verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. And then look at the very next verse. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You are a speaker and you are a servant. Therefore, you can make a contribution. Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is a mighty force and your words do powerful things. That little rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Well-intentioned goofiness. Words are powerful. I'm a preacher and a, and a student of preaching, and I recently read a book on preaching by a preacher and a preaching professor who is a preacher. Frank Thomas and T.D. Jakes. Frank Thomas is a well-educated mainliner. T.D. Jakes is a self-taught Pentecostal. One's known the world over, and one is working in obscurity. When they teamed up to write a book on preaching, I said, got to get it. I got it, and I read it in two sittings. Jakes opens up talking about his childhood in West Virginia, childhood in poverty. He said they lived in this little house, had this little raggedy couch, had a black and white TV about this size. He says his father worked two jobs and gardened out back so he could sell greens down the road to make enough money to keep the lights on and the family fed. He said when they were children, they would come and they would sit before the television. And he said, I love to watch Lassie. Everybody wanted that dog. He said, Lucy kept eating all the, all the candy off the conveyor belt. He said, A.B. kept baking those pies in Mayberry, and we kept coming back to that television because we loved those stories. He said, but Daddy never had time for TV. He was always working, 
always working. He never sat on our raggedy couch and watched TV. He was always working. Until one night on the news, Daddy heard that Martin Luther King was going to be speaking. He said, my large father sat down on the couch, his eyes transfixed as he watched every word that proceeded from that man's mouth. He said, I learned as a child that words are powerful and a man with a mic can change the world. He said he didn't use his fist, he didn't use bombs, he didn't use guns, he used his words. A man with a mic can change the world. So can a mother with a mouth, so can a teacher with a tongue. So can you. Let those who speak, speak as though they're speaking the oracles of God. You can make a contribution if you can't walk, run, climb, or leap. Because God has put a story in your heart and a tongue in your mouth. And you can make a contribution because you are a speaker. But hear me. The word must become flesh and dwell. And our actions speak as louder and louder than our words. And Peter said, those who serve, serve with the ability that God gives you. In 1988, Nike was getting beat up by Reebok and they needed to flip the script. And so all night long, their marketing agents sat up trying to figure out what to say. And maybe because they were sleep deprived, they decided they would say, just do it. Phil Jackson thought it was a terrible idea, thought it was going to push Nike off the cliff but turns out those three words were just the inspiration a lot of people needed because a lot of people were paralyzed by indecision. A lot of people were paralyzed by fear. A lot of people were paralyzed about what faced the next step. Turns out there were a lot of people in America who wanted running shoes or didn't want running shoes who needed somebody to tell them, just do it. And Peter was saying to the church, paralyzed by the pressure from out and the challenges from within, just do it. You're a servant. You're a speaker. You're a sheep with a shepherd. You're a stranger in this world. You can make a contribution because you are God's. Just do it. There's a lot of us with a clear picture of what we should do next. And we need to make the move. Walter Isaacson said, a vision without execution is a hallucination. <laughs> we don't have to hallucinate. We can follow the dreams that God's put in our hearts because His Spirit kindles those. You're young men would dream dreams. Your old men would see visions. God lets us see what to do and then calls us to do it. God has provided the grace 
He's qualified you. He's given you the ability. He's given you the grace. Whatever you do, do it with the ability that God provides. He has provided. We offer the do it. So just do it. What do you need to do today? Only you can answer that. You may need to step out in faith and begin a life journey with Christ. You may need to join this church as an act of obedience and hope, knowing that God has called his people to be a part of a people. You may need to cry out for help, saying to a friend, saying to a pastor, saying to a stranger, I'm at the end of myself. Blessed are the hopeless, for they shall find their hope in God. Maybe you need to lay something down or pick something up. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to give. What do you need to do? I suspect everyone has something. And only you and God know. Will you do it? You can. Because if you're Christ, you are able. Because you're his. Let's stand together and sing. Lord, as we sing this hymn of commitment, I pray if there's anyone here that needs to follow you, that they would come and, and, and pray and share. Lord, for all of us, wherever the altar is, if it's in front of this pulpit or if it's in our pews in our hearts, may we live our life before you in such a way that we take a step and that we move from glory to glory. Lord, we thank you for making us, we thank you for shaping us, for equipping and empowering us. Now fill us with your spirit that we may do what you've called us to do, making a contribution and growing stronger as we do it. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray in Christ's name.